This is Psychic Warfare. Welcome, my friends, to the debut episode of Psychic Warfare, the podcast where spirituality and philosophy collide with heavy metal and rock and roll. I am your host, Chris Keelick, and thank you so much for joining me on what is sure to be one of the most unique journeys that we will ever take as heavy music fans. Because each week we are going to dive deep into the core beliefs, passions, and spiritual journeys of rock and metal musicians and songwriters from across the entire spectrum of our dark underworld. And we're gonna ask them questions that will let you get to know the artists behind the music we love on an entirely new level. And we're definitely gonna ask them some questions that don't even have answers. And that is just where the fun begins. It's all in the name of letting us fans connect with our inspirations and letting them show us just what they believe about this crazy, beautiful world we live in, and maybe even a little bit about what they believe about what comes after. Joining us today, and I'm so stoked about this, to kick off this wild ride is Keith Buckley, former vocalist of the legendary Every Time I Die and current vocalist of the supergroup The Damned Things, one of the most influential metalcore bands of the past 20 years, being in Every Time I Die, and one who has one of the most consistently excellent discographies in all of heavy music. Seriously, there's really no skippable tracks on any Every Time I Die albums. Keith was a massive part of creating such a memorable catalog with his sharp skill as a sharp-witted, relentlessly real, and endlessly thought-provoking lyricist over the course of nine studio albums and in numerous and legendary live performances. He has shown the traversal of a man through the wasteland of personal darkness and addiction and into the light of self-actualization and a true soul metamorphosis. He is the author of two novels with Rare Bird Books, Scale and Watch, which I highly recommend picking up and have garnered critical praise from fans and critics alike. And most recently, you can find him streaming and discussing the secrets of the universe on Twitch almost every day. It is my honor and privilege wow. to welcome Keith Buckley to the Psychic wow. Warfare Hi. Podcast. Keith, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I feel like I need like an air horn now or something <laughs> after that. That was quite, you know, it's, uh, that was, thank you. Thank you very much for saying all those kind words. It's, uh, you made me sound very cool. Well, you nah. are very cool, and you know, <laughs> Thanks, hopefully, this is a it's a precursor <laughs> to what we're going to be diving into today. So, but I just just to just to start on an easy breezy wavelength, mm -hmm. how are you feeling in this moment in time in your life, mentally, physically, spiritually? Like, how are you doing today? I yeah, I feel uh, I feel great. I mean, it's snowing. Uh, that sucks. I, I just can't believe it's still snowing. What? It's like April eighteenth. This is insane. It's absurd. It's absurd. And that ties, you know, from from those of you who wouldn't know this and nobody would. Uh, mm. Keith and I grew up in the same hometown. We are both from the legendary Buffalo, New York. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, you have speaking of the cold, you have spoken about the colds in previous interviews, mm -hmm. the often isolating it's soul stripping, you know, th that aspect of the city that we've yeah. grown up in in interviews before. And there is something about the city that, that kind of goes beyond the, the shitty weather that everybody associates mm -hmm. with it. And we, we mm -hmm. both witnessed that. Are you, are you still, are you still living in Buffalo? Or are you still located there? Yeah. 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 I'm still here sitting is, in my uh, apartment right now. What is it about, you know, aside from the, the colds and the, you know, the, the beat down kind of rust belt aspects that you've talked about before, you know, what is, it, it does have this kind of energy that, that draws you kind of like a magnet. It has an energy and a life all its own that I really think is it's unique from, from any other city in the world that's very pretentious of me to say but you know what mm -hmm. is it about buffalo and western new york that gives it kind of this both iron cold darkness and oppressiveness but also some of the warmest and most vivacious lifeblood 
of the yeah. people that live there of any city. You know, what, what is that? Uh, it's hell. I mean, that's a, that's a sounds like a pretty decent description of hell. Uh, both sides of the spectrum. Um, I, I think that people uh, people here, um, depending on their their age, um, have witnessed a lot of loss. Um, I, I've said this, you know, at every time at I shows, but you know, it it gets said as a as sort of a joke that you know the Bills have lost so many Super Bowls in a row, and I mean. You know they're a laughing stock of of the NFL, and that's like doesn't really seem like a lot. Um, but I really think that that destroyed a lot of people's psyches in Buffalo. I honestly don't know if people have truly fully recovered from um, being embarrassed on a national stage four years in a row. I mean, I don't believe there's any way to quantify that and prove it, um, but it it feels that way. And it's very hard to transcend loss um, when there's little energy. And with it being cold so much, you know, there's not a lot of energy being expended. And um, it, it really does feel almost timeless in a sense that, you know, looking out the window right now, I, I it could be the 60s, you know, <laughs> it does it. I don't know. Um, I think it, it feels very much like a little, uh, like a snow globe. Um, and people are just content here and that's wonderful. You know, if you, if you love it here and this is, this is where you live and you're proud of it, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I do think that a lot of people tend to feel stuck here. Um, just, you know, from, from what I know growing up of my peers and, um, you know, people that I met in the, in the music community, a lot of people um, do feel stuck. And I feel that maybe if they are unable to get out when they want to, uh, at the most optimal, optimal moment when that train arrives, you know, at the station, they don't get on it. Um, I think they then uh, have to, I, I, see, I say they, they uh, we, I mean, we, I, I, I have to remember you're from <laughs> Buffalo. We, uh, you know, we, um, you know, we get to a place where we think that movement is um, Im impossible, you know, that growth is impossible and that you need to sort of accept exactly what is now and then hope that you can maintain that stasis throughout each individual moment of the rest of your life you know exactly um, and you know do you, the side of that the flip side of that there's a lot of there is a, aside from that that the hellish nature of it the mm -hmm. people there being content i mean there is such a a self-assuredness and such a kindness to a lot of the people there and yeah you, know, do, do you feel both sides of that you know even amidst the kind of the strife that you see there <sighs> I don't know, man. I, you know, man. I used to. Um, it's weird. I I don't anymore, and I don't. I don't know if maybe just because I'm older and I'm paying more attention to to things I see. But you know, um, Buffalo is uh, proudly inward facing. You know, it it's a um, it's a community of people that have experienced many things together because it's a big drinking town. So you know, the, um, the, the social gatherings are of value. And, and I think that 
um, because uh, we are so inward facing that we have sort of looked at each other and, and looked at ourselves and been like, okay, this is just what it is. This is great. Um, and some people, you know, they were happy and, and, and lived, lived on into old age. You know, I, I know a lot of people whose grandparents still live in their houses, right. You know, in downtown, like on Linwood and stuff, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right in the middle of downtown. And, and that's, that's great. Um, except I feel as if currently there is sort of a, uh, defensive territorial, this is our secret sort of thing instead of being a, we are so proud of this that we would like to invite people to see what we have, you know? That's how I treated Buffalo. That's why, um, you know, the Christmas shows were so big. It, it was because I wanted to show people from all over the world what Buffalo was like, you know, our hometown that, that I was proud of. Um, and instead, I, I, I think that that attitude is a little more rare than I thought, um, sadly, because I do feel like a lot of people are very defensive about it. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And I think it, it does have a, it pulls a lot on your psyche and it does forge your kind of spiritual growth in a certain way. I feel myself missing my hometown in a lot of ways, you know, whether that's for good or for ill. I mean, that, that can mm -hmm. be debated, but it does have this kind of pull on me that I, I've never really been able to, to shake off, nor do I know if I truly want to. And again, that can be debated whether that's a, a positive or a negative. Black holes have pulled exactly. too. A hundred percent. You know, what did you growing up in Buffalo, in your family, how did that foster your spiritual life? What did your spiritual inner life look like growing up from a young age? You know, was it faith-based around organized religion because Buffalo has nope. a, a big kind of Polish Catholic basis? You know, what did you first really start to, when did you first really start to take stock of your inner life and really kind of work to craft your own belief system growing up? Uh, about 10 years ago, I think. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I had, I, I didn't, there was no religion. There was no talk of faith. Um, any sort of ceremony or, or holiday, you know, celebration ritual sort of thing was more secular in that we did it because it was, uh, our Polish ancestry. Um, but there was, I mean, as far as my immediate family goes, there was no talk or I didn't know. I, I honestly didn't know there was religion, you know? I didn't understand it. I, I knew that the church was something, but we didn't go for some reason. And honestly, like, I just, it's insane to say, but like when I found out like what, you know, Christianity was about, I was like, wow, I really could have used some of this advice, you know, or, you know, some of this stuff earlier. And, you know, when I find, when I read about Buddhism now I'm like man I really could have like used some of this stuff earlier and you know I, I you know these spiritual aspects not the institutional aspects but the spiritual aspects of them would have been very very helpful you know and it's really unfortunate but I I'm confident it is for a reason that I just didn't find out until I was at this stage of my life and I think that's true for a lot of us. We we find ourselves either because we don't grow up in a religious household or we feel mm -hmm. we're too cool for it or especially yeah. especially in heavy music. We're like, oh, you know, I don't need to believe in anything. You know, it's all about anarchy. Right. It's all about, you know, keeping a totally independent 
mindset from anything and not really like letting anything guide you, you know, and then you find yourself in a, a crisis of, in your life and you're like, I don't know where to turn to. I have no idea like what I should be looking for or even mm -hmm. where to start looking for that. And, you know, that something for, for those of you listening, if you have not been following Keith on Twitter, you absolutely need to because he gives really, really wonderful book recommendations. And oh, thank you. Something that I really want to discuss with you, because as soon as you recommended it, I went out and I purchased it um, is a book called Mary Magdalene Revealed uh, by, yeah. Mary, by, by Megan Watterson. And yep. uh, you've been doing a lot of reading. I've been seeing even just yesterday on Easter uh, about a lot of sort of Christian mystic kind of concepts. Yeah. And I find that very fascinating. And this whole book, just to kind of sum it up, there's a ton more to sink your teeth into. And I highly recommend everybody check it out. And, and if you're turned off by the fact that, you know, it, it, you think it's kind of preachy Christianity at a hundred percent is not, it's, it's really more of a book about tackling your ego and keeping your ego mm -hmm. under control and embracing this kind of sense of divinity within you and acknowledging your flaws as human and while also acknowledging your divinity and using that to elevate yourself over your own ego and to, to conquer the, the stresses of life. It's really, really excellent. Um, mm. But what I think is really fascinating about this book is I went back and I, I read Scale and Watch again, and especially in Scale, there is a chapter, chapter 23, where you touch on a lot of these concepts of false ego and elevating yourself mm -hmm. above what what the ego is, is telling you to do. And, you know, I want to touch on, you know, you kind of elevated yourself in, in every time I die in your lyricism, it goes from this like highly nihilistic sense of yourself to this, mm -hmm. especially on radical to this very, you know, ego conquering elevated state. And, you mm -hmm. know, I want to talk about how that ties in with these kind of Christian mystic books and the, the lessons that this Mary Magdalene revealed talk and, and how it, you even were thinking about this when you were writing scale like years ago. Well, that's what that's what I want to say. I, I honestly can't speak too much on Christian mysticism because I, I really only started getting into it a few years ago. Um, and, you know, I'm just still learning and studying. But, um, I you know, I, I do have a better grasp of it. But those things that I was talking about in scale, I, I kind of just those concepts were just something I, I gained from life experience. You know, I mean, I like I said, I, I didn't have faith or religion in my life at all. I just kind of was trying to figure out what was the best way to live that hurt the fewest people and helped the most, you know? That was like, that's it. That's the way, I, whatever that is, that's the way I wanna live. And it didn't, I wasn't doing it because I was afraid of God or hell, cause I didn't worry about that. That wasn't in my belief system. Um, I was doing it for the sake of doing it because I was in a band and, you know, the, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about as far as like punk and hardcore. You're right in saying that um, it was kind of fuck anything atheism. Um, it was kind of like a complete indifference to faith in God for me. It wasn't that I rejected it. I just didn't, it just wasn't my shit, you know? Um, because at that time, what I believed in was the community of hardcore. And I was like, I don't need anything. Like I'm not, for, I'm not for want of anything because if I'm not getting it, you know, somewhere else, then I'm getting it at these shows with these new friends, you know? So that was, you know, that music, I mean, it became, you know, a church for me, uh, you know, in a sense, I guess, if you want to make a distant metaphor. I mean, it was just, 
a, a place where I would gather um, with people who loved gathering with people. And there was a common cause, you know, there was animal activism, there was political activism. Um, you know, there were, I mean, vegan and vegetarians were distributing pamphlets on how to eat healthier. And, you know, this is before there was the internet. This is before anybody offered vegetarian options anywhere. It was people helping other people navigate through a really fucking cruel life, you know? It, especially just considering how many people in the hardcore community were into animal activism and, you know, into food, not bombs and, and would help community shelters. And I mean, it was just magnificent. So I was like, oh, OK, I, I didn't need I, I'm good. Like what? I don't even think I need anything else. So I don't even want to fuck with all the, the, the mystic stuff like, you know, that just seems way too out there and way too long ago, you know. Um, but then, uh, you know, as I got older and I, I started um, you know, trying to broaden my horizons and read more, you know, one thing led to another. And I, you know, finally stumbled upon, you know, I, I guess, which is like uh, the mascot of uh, ancient mysticism, uh, Hermes, you know, so uh, the hermit, you know, I, I, I found him and I, I found him really interesting. And so I read everything within the blast radius of that fucking intellectual, spiritual nuclear bomb that that dropped in my life. Uh, everything I found was from that center point. Can you can you educate me in particular? Because I, mm -hmm. I want to tell everybody listening, I am not an expert on any of this. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a professor. This is just all purely, I think we come from the same direction. This is, we do this for the love of it. We you know we read about mm -hmm. this to to seek solace and to broaden our minds, but we're not, I'm not an expert on this. At least Keith's probably more no. educated on this than me. No. But I, I, yeah. I'm not no. an expert. And I just, I, I think that this is exactly proof uh, in point is that the community that I cherish and value so much uh, is just one community of many possible communities. And, and what you're doing with this podcast has the potential to be such an important community that I want to fucking co-sign it day one, you know? Kate, thank you so much. That, that honestly means yeah. the world to me. Uh, but t tell me a little bit about Hermeticism because I, again, I've seen you recommending books on it on Twitter and I really don't know much about it aside from the, the kind of adjacent Christian mystic, mm -hmm. you know, tendencies of it. And I know it has, mm -hmm. I, I've seen stuff and then it's associated with tarot in some, some circles. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about Hermeticism. Like what is it and like how, what are its tenets and how does that, how has it impacted you? Like, what have you pulled from it? Um, so it, it basically um, is an ancient form of, of religion and a school of intellectual thought and, and spiritual um, seekers that sort of realized that the complexity of the universe was a way of pointing at the simplicity of the essence of the universe. Like, there's so many questions, there's so many things going on. Nobody has any idea where they belong. And everyone's looking out into, you know, into the stars, into the sky, everyone's looking back in ancient history. And you know, they just kind of realize that everything that exists in your perspective, your field of view is singular. There is no other experience than the one you are having. No one has ever done anything you are doing at any moment. 
forever throughout eternity. So that makes you, in some sense, the focal point of experience because without it, what does exist? It's like a tree falls in the woods, no one hears it, but you know, whatever, if you believe it or not, that's kind of the thing they are positing. So it's just about realizing that everything that you feel and experience and see and, you know, everything that you receive through your senses is, uh, particularly stylized for you specifically and that uh tenet um as above so below um you know that's the core tenet of it it really um is at the center of what they believe to be all religions is that it all goes back every religion all roads lead back to these philosophies um However, as time went on and more people uh, misinterpreted the meaning of it and misinterpreted the message, um, you know, it obviously could lend to extreme narcissism, um, you know, delusions of grandeur, things like that. So as time went on, it branched off into different forms of magic, different forms of religion. Um, but there is a through line as I, I, I had no idea, uh, like I said, because I just un, uh, started understanding, as I read more and more and more about Hermes, and like I said, I, I, I kind of made my way around that network of related names, I found a name of a guy that I had recognized, Jesus Christ. And so- You may have there heard is of him. A, Yeah. <laughs> so there, uh, needless to say, um, yada, 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 there is a direct line from Hermes uh, to Jesus Christ that, you know, if you follow this, you know, whatever, this belief system they have, but Let's they talk, are exactly the same. You yeah. know, something that I, I learned about from you recommending this Mary Magdalene revealed book is, you know, we find ourselves often in two opposite states. You know, one is, mm -hmm. like you said, consumed by our own ego, our narcissism. Mm -hmm. We think, you know, I am special. I am, you know, I can do, you know, whatever I want. You feel, you know, mm -hmm. you're caught up in this sense of inside yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, that takes on many forms. And if you if you check out the book, there's there's different forms that the ego can take with in, inside you that's toxic and damaging. And it's, again, it's really fascinating to dig into that. And then on the flip side of that is, you know, we're, we find ourselves in a, a hole of despair, mm -hmm. you know, because we suffer so much and we, we wonder how we can, we dig ourselves out of that. And I think the great thing about, the the lens of looking at a figure of like Jesus Christ, you know, in this book, beyond a traditional Christian context, um, is that his his story of suffering, you know, and, and taking that on, and also suffering to destroy the ego, and kind of being this elevated figure who who rose above what ego is and what we define ego is and passing that on to, to Mary Magdalene as is described in the book. And again, mm -hmm. going back to your own writing, you know, I read back, I was reading watch and there's a passage on uh, page 91 it says Opal was made human by her suffering to him. It did not exalt her as it might to others, but instead brought her closer to the world. And what Megan Watterson talks about is that it is your very suffering that you should embrace because that is what makes you human. And that is, that is you, like you are both yes. divine and conquering and learning to conquer the ego. But if you stumble and you do suffer, then embrace that because you mm -hmm. are human and that is important. So looking at through that lens, you know, how does Jesus kind of reflect these tenets, but even going beyond him as a figure, 
how do you reconcile these things personally and how do you interpret what she's saying and what you know a lot of the hermetic things are talking about in this regard um i think everything um uh as far as suffering goes and and the extent to which we suffer and and the ways in which we suffer i think really 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 has a lot to do with uh the perception we have of the universe as a whole and the uh, the perception we have of any higher power or intelligence, um, because it's not either there is or there isn't, it's there is or there isn't, and then if there is, to what degree does it give a shit about you? Like, you, you know, the universe is either, it doesn't either love you or hate you, you know, the universe and life in general, it's not either out to get you or it's not, it's, out to get you maybe in some ways but in other ways maybe it's trying to teach you something or it's just complete fucking anarchy you know there's a lot of degrees between those things um that people kind of just take for granted and don't actually think to really narrow down how we feel that the universe aka life in general feels about us do we think it's taking notice if it is taking notice, does it love us or does it hate us, you know, and really try to ask yourself these questions and come to terms with whatever you believe, then just live according to the way that you believe and see if you're right, you know, and I think that would really help people understand the suffering. Um, and then you can let it shape you and help you and, you know, foster new things. But yeah, people are, I, as someone who was, you know, very, very, very sad for very, very, very long, um, it, it just gets to a point where it's like not even death by a thousand cuts anymore. I mean, you're just pulp and it's, it, you just feel like it's just, you're still in the blender. You know, it's like, I cannot be reduced any further. What is the point of this? You know, but then you got to kind of ask like okay well who am i asking like is it a hateful god is it an angry god is it not a god is it i'm talking to someone in my head and i see a face well whose face is that why do i care so much about what they think about me like then you just start realizing that so much of your suffering is because of the way you think people see you and uh it just changes things when you really start to crystallize that vision. And I think that is a very good definition of the ego. In a sense, it's mm -hmm. the way that you interpret the universe around you. It's the way that you think how you feel the universe is leading you and how you feel people are led by the universe. Mm -hmm. And something you have gone on record many times to say is that through reading this book and other books and your own journey of discovery is that love really is the key. It really mm -hmm. is kind of when you view the universe through the lens of love being at the base of everything, it really mm -hmm. changes your entire perspective and changes your life. And something that I really notice, you know, on, on radical in particular, you know, you are observing, you're saying, look at this evil, like look at this evil that exists in this world. There are good mm -hmm. people and there are bad people. There are people following right. an evil path and there are people following a good path and there are communities of both. And you mm -hmm. talk about, you know, in, in previous interviews, you have talked about a sense of the net use. I believe if I'm quoting you correctly, you said the next great revolution or paradigm shift that is going to occur 
in our world is going mm-hmm. to be a spiritual one. And I, wanna, I wanted yeah. to dive deeper on that because do you believe in definitive moral good and definitive moral evil? And what I mean by that is, do you believe that things like protecting our environment, our home, alleviating as much human suffering as possible, are those, would mm-hmm. you consider those moral, absolute moral goods? And if you do, like, what do you, on the flip side of that, do you believe in that there are absolute moral evils in this world? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely do. I mean, I, I can't explain the, where it comes from. Um, but I absolutely think that there is negative energy in this world because there fucking has to be, you know, like there has to be a balance. There is as much negative as there is positive. Align yourself with the positive. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's really pretty cut and dry. Like, does this help or harm? Yeah. I mean, you can, give yourself some questions to ask about what kind of things bring you to certain conclusions. You know, if you have life experience that has shown that in certain situations, you feel really good when this happens, but you feel you feel really bad when that happens, then separate, learn to separate the two. What is it about this that makes you feel good? Is it harmful? You know, I mean, because I really feel like it's not that people are incapable of becoming good if they're bad. They just don't actually love the things they think they love. You know, they, they feel an allegiance to something that if they really, really, really thought about it, it would be false. You know, I, I just feel like the evil comes from people lying to themselves first it's the there's at some point in their thought process there is a lie and they know it and at that point the the train on the track changes you know the track changes the train goes in a different direction find that point isolate it and then figure out what it is that makes that so important to you that you need to lie you know and I think once we start asking ourselves these questions, then we don't need to just ask so many into the fucking abyss, you know? Agreed. And, you know, the next question that people probably logically ask is, well, if you believe in absolute moral good and absolute moral evil, then who is the arbiter of that? Like, who is the arbiter of what, which is which? But you kind of answered that through that things will always bend in that way, but we lie to ourselves. Like, we're kind yeah. of the, we're kind of the ghost in the machine here. We're kind of the glitch mm-hmm. in the matrix that kind of, shifts these tracks that you're talking about in a lot of ways and you know i think that has that you know there there are like you said there are kind of these tracks running in the background and i want to i want to follow up with this by saying you know when you talked about the spiritual revolution this paradigm shift that's going to be the next great change in our in our culture you know there is so there are large swaths of our world that you know i would probably say that you would say are lying to themselves because they may hold some things very near and dear to them that we find abhorrent Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. think do more harm than good and we question we think why how can anybody ever think that this helps or how could you be so selfish or anything Mm -hmm. and you know i'm not calling out anybody in particular it's just we know that they're we all feel that way regardless of what our beliefs are but what what would it take what does it take to bring to have this kind of mass psychic 
awakening. Like what, like you said, we all have to kind of isolate and examine ourselves. This is a very stoic mm-hmm. kind of idea to live an examined life. It's very Socrates, you know, know thyself, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what, that's a, that's such an individual hard task and nobody said it was going to be easy, but do you think it's yeah. even possible for mass swaths of the world or us as a collective, as a species to like, get to like, man, we got to get our fucking priorities straight. Like our, our planet's dying. Like we're people yeah. are suffering. Like what, it, what would it take? If anything, like what could it take? Um, I mean, I, I think that it, it's ripe right now. I mean, it's just, who's going to take it. You know, I, I, I feel like the generation, not mine, but my daughter's generation, you know, thanks to the generation in between, um, is going to see a, a world where kindness is valued. You know, I just don't think there's any value on kindness because there's no reward for it. You know, there's no, um, I, I mean, obviously, if you don't have a religion, then yeah, there's there's definitely who gives a shit what you do, really. There's no fear of anything greater. There's no um, higher intelligence to contribute to or impress, you know? So, okay, fine. Let's strip all that away. What about how it makes you feel personally? You know what I mean? Like being kind is just kind of like the best way to be. And I mean, being in love and uh, being open to that, um, you know, and I'm not saying open to intolerance or both sides in it here. I'm saying that once you find where you belong with the people that you love and who love you, and there's no harm meant in whatever tribe that is, um, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I think that the bigger that tribe, the bigger that community, the, the better, because once we just start valuing each other, then it doesn't need a, a religion or a god however it certainly doesn't help that there is one you know who is is tr- trying to tr- you know the the higher organizing principle it tr- it pulls towards good it trends toward good you just have to let it you know and exactly. y- y- people are the lies that people tell themselves are where it stops the flow when you see people or when you you observe someone who again doesn't share those beliefs and may you know believe in things that that harm you know what we most of us or what a mm-hmm. majority would say you know is th- th- towards ill of people mm-hmm. is that because that they they just haven't come to the the realization the kind of the revelation that oh my god like I love my wife I love my kids I love something in this world mm-hmm. and that this is the same feeling that corresponds to this positive arc of the universe that's helping people that they just haven't realized it like you said because there's something either they've repressed it they've buried it Mm -hmm. do you think that's why so many people just seem so stuck and are unwilling to move because they have these things at their disposal but they just don't have the tools in their life or or something along those lines to kind of unearth that well yeah i i think it's unfortunate that they don't uh, and and like i said before i could have used some of these principles a long time ago you know i i grew up in a middle class neighborhood and everything but uh you know i, I had a s- severely disabled sibling um you know t- there were some very difficult times so i really could have used some faith or used something you know uh, instead of just kind of hoping and, you know, not knowing. Um, so I, I do feel like, yeah, the, the, the tools need to get to the people. Um, however, 
the tools are also absolutely you're born with them you are born with it and you just have to admit you know i i think where you realize that you went wrong if you're willing to analyze your life because i know that i you know looked back and i was like this is where everything changed for me you know this is this is the last time i remember being in love what happened from that point to this point you know whether it's with music or with art or with life or with any literature i just i had no passion for anything you know i was just tapped out and it's because i had this psychic blockage you know one of my favorite literary quotes of all time um it's from the brothers karamazov by Mm -hmm. dostoevsky and it it goes uh, love all of god's creation both the whole and every grain of sand love every leaf every ray of light love the animals, love the plants, love each separate thing. If thou love each thing, thou wilt perceive the mystery of God in all things. And once mm-hmm. thou perceive this, thou will understand thenceforward and will grow every day to a fuller understanding of it until thou come at last to love the whole world with a love that will then be all embracing and universal. And so saying that, mm-hmm. where do you think, Beautiful. Where, is, where what is the responsibility, if there is one, if, if we feel we have touched upon these things and that we've touched upon this track of the universe and we see other people maybe suffering, even if they don't ask for it. And that's a very important thing. Consent is important always, but mm-hmm. do you feel there's ever a moral responsibility to kind of be a Sherpa up the mountain or to be a, a spiritual guide to others? And when do you feel it is like, okay, I'm cutting my losses. I don't want to associate with these people, despite the fact that, you know, love is at the heart of everything and we should try our best to embrace everyone as much as possible. Is there a point is there a point on both sides where you're like, okay, I want to be a spiritual guide to you, but I'm also going to distance myself. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, if I notice that you are averse or, you know, mm-hmm. an, an antithetical to these things. Oh yeah. Like- I mean, that's, I think that that's absolutely a natural, normal thing to do. I think it's a very human thing to do is to say, Hey, this psychic connection that we have, it no longer serves either of us because we were not tending to its its care, you know, and it's cut, you know, and then you're allowed to you're allowed to form other ones, you know, but as long as you're being honest and upfront, you know, no one should ever feel shame about that. I just feel like shame, you know, to quote Converge, shame gets in the way. It it's it's insane how uh, how far people will go defending. Uh, a, a false anything something false because they are ashamed to admit they were wrong because they've built so much on top of that wrong foundation and they know it's wrong but it's just too unmanageable now to to change you know and they think that that shame is going to really i don't what you know like it's going to destroy them yeah, like they're going to get kicked out in the wilderness like they would have in Bible times. Like it's not that's not going to happen. You're not actually going to die in the wilderness because you go hungry and freeze to death. Like no, you be honest about your your bad relationships. You talk to the person like a human being and you admit that it if it's over, it's over, you know? And I mean that that's how then you have energy to put into new relationships and that's beautiful. And I feel like now there's such a uh, um, almost like a cultural tendency to shame p- 
people for gathering in groups of like-minded others. You know, it's like, what are you in an echo chamber? Like your what you call my community of wonderful people that love each other and mean no harm to anyone in or outside of the community, like whatever you call that doesn't matter to me <laughs> because I, 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 I'm for the rest of my life, the only thing that is going to inform any of my decisions is going to be my faith in my friends, my trust in my friends and my interest in wondering if there's something bigger. And how does this, that, that's very well said, how does this tie into the idea of, in your, in your mind, it's hard because we, we talk about, you know, love is this universal force, but, you know, I, I think of a song like on Radical, like Planet Shit, where, you know, you acknowledge, you know, there are people that got us into this mess. There are people yeah. that actively drove us to a point where people are suffering in financial poverty, people are suffering mm -hmm. in social poverty, people aren't allowed to exist the way they want to exist. Mm -hmm. How does this tie in with the notion of punishment and and ultimate forgiveness? What what is the limit in your mind of of redemption? How far does redemption go? Can some when can someone be redeemed? And at one point, are they beyond redemption? If there is such a if someone can be beyond redemption, do you think that anyone is truly beyond no. redemption? No, I do not think anyone is truly beyond redemption. Absolutely not. I think that if they are honest with themselves, redemption comes instantly. Um, just depends on how long they're postponing, you know, actually taking a look at where they're lying to themselves most and, you know, doing something about that and not being ashamed to admit they were wrong. I, I just feel like that's the crux of it. Um, so no, I don't, I, I don't feel like it's too late to be redeemed. And here's the thing, if look it, if it were up to me, the, I just think that the, you know, this country would be fractured into smaller, more manageable parts. I mean, we don't have to get along with our asshole, angry, maybe godless neighbor uh, when there are wonderful people that would love to, you know, um, incorporate me into something more communal. And if we took all those assholes, and we put them together and allowed them to enjoy their own existence among like-minded people, even if it's negative uh, like-mindedness, their community will breed positivity. You know what I mean? And then it becomes something where they go, oh shit, this community that I've never had before because I've spent all my life being angry and now I'm just with like-minded people and I have nothing to be angry about we've begun helping each other and I've developed empathy. And now I realize my mistakes with that old society that I fucked up so badly. I was lacking empathy, you know? And then there, that's, you know, that's redemption. Uh, just that realization. It's drifting apart to kind of drift back together in a lot of ways. You have to yeah. rediscover yourself to kind of join, you know, for us ultimately, I guess what you're saying to kind of come back together in this positive society. And I find that really interesting. I've never really considered that and do you think that you know a lot of our culture like you, you previously brought up of we're, we're very quick to shame we are very quick to indict we're very quick to kind of separate and like you said there are times when that is necessary and like you said you have to find like-minded people but do you think in some ways a lot of people are, are too quick to again maybe, maybe they have a different view of redemption because 
you know, what is redemption? Is it a personal thing? Is it a societal thing? Is it, is it a, an idea? You know, do you think that we are too quick to shame other people and to kind of cast them out? You know, like you said, not necessarily in the biblical sense, but to cast them out, at least out of our minds and out of our, our, our wantingness to embrace them. No, in a different no. Way. Um, I, you know, look, I mean, shame works. It really does. It makes assholes reconsider themselves sometimes because if they actually are redeemable people, you know, in whatever sense you want to say, that maybe when they are shamed, they will actually look at themselves. I mean, it is absolutely like the toughest love ever. I definitely would never resort to it personally, um, you know, like in a, in a public situation. I don't believe in that. Um, spontaneous sort of thing um however i do feel like man by any means necessary like with the fucking you know human kind is at stake here really right now well keith with that being said that brings us to our final segments of the show which i like to call uh tomes of wisdom and the chaser so first up is tomes of wisdom and uh, that's where we have each guest recommend us three pieces of media that have inspired them philosophically or spiritually in the last year. And that can be books, films, games, comics, you know, anything that's made you think about your own life or life in the world in a different way. So Keith, what are three pieces of media that you've consumed in the last year that you would recommend to us to digest? Okay. I'll go with uh, what I have like on hand. So it's not like I'm, I'm just going to show you what's here because it's, you know, this is what I'm reading at this point in my life. Um, and I think it's it's very important. Uh, uh, we have Herman Hess, uh, Damien. Um, although I would recommend any Herman Hess, uh, Steppenwolf, Damien. I mean, I, I think as far as spiritual writers, he is uh, one of the, if not the greatest that I've ever read. I, I just feel like everything he says is a way that I, I looked at it. Um, and... I really, really, really wanted to kind of find what made him write the way that he did, you know, and to find what makes someone write the way they do, you got to find out how they lived, you know, and so that was a huge part of, of getting into spirituality was uh, anything from Herman Hess. Uh, then I have, um, let's see, this is the Baron in the Trees, uh, Italo Calvino. Um, I'm going to tell you what it's about and you're going to be like that. How is that, that a book, let alone a good one. Um, but it's about a little kid who, uh, walks out of his parents' house and climbs a tree and never comes down. Uh, and this is about the networking he does with society as an observer from above in this network of trees that begins growing over this town. Um, uh, honestly, it's really, that's metal. Yeah, honestly, that's metal as hell to climb a tree. Yeah, it, it actually down. is. Baron in the Trees is a really good band name. So shout out to whoever uh, claims that. It's one. like a Mastodon track. Oh, everything Calvino writes sounds like a Mastodon track. Cosmic Comics. Oh yeah, he's. That, yeah. I could I could literally picture the artwork for the next yeah. Mastodon yeah, yeah. record in totally. my head when you say that. So what's totally. number three? Uh, number three, well, I'll go, okay, so as far as, just because this is a really good, um, introduction slash conclusion slash, um, just full spectrum, everything you need to know about Hermeticism, um, it's a book called The Kabbalion, 
it was written by uh, what's known as three initiates. People speculate that that was three very specific high-ranking mystic priests. Other people believe that this is uh, divine and that the three initiative, uh, three initiates are Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, either way, they're, no matter where they came from, they're cl most closely attributed to Hermes uh, Trismegistus. How, there's, people say his last name a lot of ways. I might have just upset a, a large demographic of it's people. It's also a great who, band name, too. Um, it's a, I mean, I'd be surprised if a member of Mastodon that's like a didn't black name metal their name. child. Trismegistus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like Shagrath or someone from Dimu Borgir or from Watane or something. Totally. I mean, Love the, if they're not using these references, they need to be. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. He, uh, so they all trace back to him, and this is very much just kind of like the um, the Bible of Hermeticism. You know, very just, cool. It, it's about a life perspective, really. Very cool. Well, there you go, guys. There's the three tomes of wisdom from Keith Buckley. Go and check those out, and uh, mm -hmm. let me know if you uh, get some meaning out of those, and uh, drop me a line. I would love to hear you know what those what too. those books mean to you, and yeah, Keith too. Tell. Drop him a line. And finally, mm -hmm. this is the segment that I like to call the chaser. If the interview is the shot, this is the chaser. We ask mm -hmm. the same 10 rapid fire questions for each guest. And we ask that they keep their answer to 30 seconds or less. Are mm -hmm. you ready, Keith? Do you think you can do that? Hold on. Let me, let me just, so I got to center for a second. Okay. Yeah, I'm He's good. Locked I'm in. Good. Let's go. He's locked Let's in, go. folks. All right, here we go. <laughs> Question one. Do you believe in fate or free will and why? Uh, both, because they can both exist. They are not mutually exclusive. Question two, what is a stronger force in the world? I think we answered this, but love or hate and why? Uh, love because it's the origin of, of every religious thought. Question three, who are the three most important spiritual and moral guides in your life and why? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's uh, my wife, Angie, and my daughter, Zuzana. I mean, it's just that watching Zuzana grow up and live is just beautiful and you know having a, a healthy sober relationship is just extremely fulfilling so i am um using them and watching the way that they teach me to, to interact with the world uh as uh very important guides for me um and the other one my friend andy hall uh, he is the singer of uh, manchester orchestra um and he and i have daily uh text conversations about this stuff awesome well future podcast guest perhaps i would love to mm -hmm. uh, talk to him mm -hmm. about this stuff too question mm -hmm. four what was the most spiritual place for you where you grew up and why when i grew up it was um you know i didn't realize what anything what you know any moment or experience that could have been regarded as spiritual I, I i never looked at anything as spiritual except in hindsight so um looking back and and realizing the times that i um you know was the happiest and trying to think of the setting that that takes place in and like where i just felt you know the happiest and the safest and if that is considered um the most spiritual then um uh there was this spot down by the creek uh that runs into the buffalo river out through west seneca and uh there was this place that we used to ride our bikes to 
uh, called the jumps. And it was just some kids, you know, it's, it was the 90s, like 91, 1990, 1991. They used to ride down to the jump. So that was the ride there. I remember just loving so much because it passed through so many different like fields and hills and trees. And I feel like growing up in Western New York and, and there being so much nature, even in the cities, uh, it's a really, really, it was a really good experience for me. I really loved being in nature since the jump that's an awesome story shout out to west seneca that's where my grandma's from uh, anyway, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of buffalo grandmas are from west seneca <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway uh, question, <laughs> yeah that's a good place to find them question five <laughs> what is the most delicious meal you've had in the last month and where was it <sighs> dang it shoot i don't have time to like it was a, probably an uncrustable because uh, I had never had one before. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, man. It's, it counts. It counts. Question okay. six. When was the last time you felt lost? Um, boy, uh, during the pandemic. Question seven. Do you think the universe bends towards order or towards chaos and why? Uh, order. Um, but not, uh, not order without flair. Um, I just feel that. God has a really good sense of humor uh, and uh, people are really hurting God's feelings lately. <laughs> like I, f- I feel bad for God lately. I've been reading the old, uh, the old Testament. I'm like, Man. the flood is coming. The plagues are coming. Yeah. Again. No, I feel, no, I don't know. People, I mean, some people believe it's angry. I don't know. I think it's a little misunderstood. <laughs> question, <laughs> question eight. What is the most important piece of your childhood that you've held on to and why? Um, uh honestly i I think it's just kind of a a a love of music that takes me back to uh times that i'd spent with my sister uh jacqueline who's passed i I think that you know listening to those songs and being able to be transported back to to those moments is uh definitely the the most cherished of my my possessions i guess question nine what is one axiom or quote that centers you and calms you in dark times um it's supposed to be fun very good answer and last one to everyone who has ever been touched by your words and music what do you say i i see you honestly like i i just feel like i you know even if we're there's not live music much anymore you know it, it was never you know people just coming to watch us i i feel like there was always a connection there and you know we were I was seeing people as much as I was being seen. So, you know, that doesn't change. Keith, you have just engaged in psychic warfare. Thank you so much for joining Mm. me today. It really means the world. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, you're welcome. I honestly, you know, I, I, I wish you the best of luck. I, I really think this is absolutely necessary, uh, at a very important time in human history. So, um, best of luck to you, man.